please uh, grab a seat or be seated. I'm Pastor Joe. It's good to be here with you this morning. We have um, been on a journey for the last seven weeks, and uh, today we continue in that journey of seeing how God restores that which is broken. But before we uh, do that, when I when I first uh, came to Bemis, and this was before you met me, uh, I saw Suzanne working with, and I'm going to screw up who she was working with, but uh, with meeting with various people uh, and dreaming about how to send off and how to welcome, and you did that so well, and the, the words that surfaced were, we celebrate you. And over the last couple of months, we've seen that that has been a bit of a prophetic word as we've said goodbye to those whom we've loved, as we've welcomed in new, and as we've envisioned what life might look like for others. And today we want to, we're continuing in that. Many of you know that uh, Nancy Quattrone, our business manager, uh, has retired, at least from here, effective yesterday. And uh, there's a new chapter and a new segment in life that is beginning for her. And I want to invite her and her husband and your daughter to come and I didn't, you didn't know you were getting put on the spot. You don't have to. You can, you can come or not. Come on up. I, also, many of you know um, Joe Wicks, who has uh, lead, been leading us in worship for, for a while now, and his wife, Callie, and they're expecting, and there's a lot of excitement with that, but they too are embarking on new adventures, and uh, we want to celebrate them as well, so I want to invite Joe and Callie to come and, and join us up front, and you know, um, sometimes we do, we have... Yeah, please do. Then we can see your face. Yes, there she is. That's Nancy. Yeah. And her husband, uh, Jim, and daughter, Abby. Yes, thank you. That was quick. Um, And uh, Joe and Callie, obviously. I'm new. They are not. And, um, but they have made me, they have really helped me in this transitional process Uh, Nancy with making sure that I at least understand some of the policies and practices that have been put in place which have been uh, life-giving for the church and Joe has been very gracious with uh, helping me bump along the way and how I do things versus how we do things and how we come together in that and Callie you've been keeping us on uh, on on task perfectly so we appreciate that I want to invite is uh, this is always dangerous when you invite someone to come up front who's not necessarily in the house but uh, I'm going to invite the other staff that are here to just come up front as we pray for you because uh, you've impacted our lives in, in really meaningful ways. And uh, yeah, come on up here. Yeah, if you're in the house, come on up here. They didn't know I was doing this and that's always a little bit um, dangerous. But uh, we're going we're gonna to put you guys kind of in the middle and we're going to stand around you. And I would invite you to, to extend a hand forward as we pray for them. There are some really exciting things on the horizons for all of them. And uh, their faithfulness to the Lord has been evident here and it will be an extension ministry wherever they go and the season in life that they have blessed us that doesn't end right it's just different it's a new season and um but we just we really appreciate you and after the service we invite you to linger a little longer that seems to be a catchy thing and uh just visit with them they'll be outdoors we invite you to go out and say hello and kind of inquire as to what's next they all have some awesome opportunities in ministry in different spaces. But uh, let's pray for them as they get ready to, to embark on a new chapter in life. Holy God, thank you for these people. Jesus, whom you have allowed our paths to cross with. Whom you've had allowed us to, to labor and love together with. 
Lord, for Nancy, as you have given her the gift of administration and an ability to bring order out of chaos, Lord, in the next chapter and season in life, may her fingerprint, which is your fingerprint, be everywhere. We pray for her husband and her children, their children. God, that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine upon them and be gracious unto them, O God. That you would lift up your countenance upon them and God, give them peace every step of the way. And for Joe and Callie and the the ministry together and the ministry uh, that they have shared with us and the love that they have given us, thank you, God, for that. Lord, thank you for new life. Your word tells us that you knit us together in our mother's womb. How beautiful that is, Lord, that they carry your child. Lord, would you protect the little one? Would they grow in wisdom and stature even in the infantile stages? Life is yours. For the season of life that is coming to an end, there is new life beginning in multiple ways. Bless them, Lord, and keep them. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious unto them, O God. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen. We have a little, a little gift for each of you. Uh, yep, that says Nancy. That's so I don't get it wrong. That one says Callie. And that one says Joe. Thank you so much. I know that we don't typically shake right now. Make sure you sanitize afterwards. But God bless you and the families and uh, the family. Yeah. You know, uh, change is, is difficult sometimes, isn't it? Especially when it's rapid and unforeseen. But um, I've also found that in these moments of change, new things arise. And it's been really, if change hadn't happened on my end, I never would have gotten to work with these beautiful people. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for that opportunity and how they have uh, shown me the grace of God and how they have been faithful um, You've done well, church, in raising up people. And, uh, and it's hard to sometimes let go because we want to hold on tightly. But Scripture talks about that at times. We need to hold loosely. Because uh, when the, the tide comes in, all the ships in the harbor rise, don't they? And the reach goes even further. But uh, thank you so much for your work and the, the very real ministry that you have done here at Bemis Point. As we uh, get ready to embark on our next chapter of our broken series I want to share a couple of thoughts on the front end the first is um, it's not going to be broken conduct (laughs) this uh, this sermon challenged us in in some pretty significant ways which is always a good thing it it forces us to go deeper into the word of God it forces us to really um, stay sharp but uh, it also reveals that while we have an idea on the front end it doesn't always mean it's the idea on the tail end so uh, hold your thoughts captive but hold them loosely also and um but i invite you to pray for me this morning as we get ready to dive into um the word of god for the people of god in romans chapter 11 would you pray for me this morning holy god thank you for your power and your presence which has been already witnessed and and magnified here in this space lord you've been at work in my heart today May the words of my mouth and those meditations be pleasing to you. And God, would you prepare our hearts and our minds for all that you would have for us. 
Jesus, we praise you and we lift you high in your holy name. Amen. I want to do something that I don't know that I've done this here before, but I want to just give you a brief moment. And there is a difference in these two words. Uh, The first word is testimony, right? Testimony is a long version. Testimony is the Reader's Digest version. Cliff Notes. Does anyone have a testimony of where they have seen the hand of God at work in the last, I don't know, couple of days or week? Are there any testimonies? Testimonies, you could maybe try a testimony, but uh, the people with the microphone might not let you stay too long. Where are you seeing God at work? I know you're not necessarily accustomed to that, but uh, I'd invite you to think just for a moment. Tom. Yeah. Knowledge of the Holy. That's a great book, by the way, if anybody hasn't read that. Yeah. Yeah. So the testimony is lives transformed, probably, right? As we've uh, encountered the grace of God. Awesome. Thank you very much. Any others? Yeah, there's one in the back. Yeah. Yeah. That was for uh, Royal Family Kids Camp and the, the blessing of even though we weren't able to gather as normal, that a blessing happened even in the midst of the abnormal, of being able to see faces through a drive through And if you walked in the front doors, you saw the writing, that's graffiti on the, on the driveway, I know, but it's going to be okay. Uh, just a, a great witness of God's grace. Yeah. We have time for maybe one more. Yeah. That was a, test, a, a testimony to join her on her morning runs to Long Point and watch the sunrise uh, and to see the handiwork of the Creator. You know, we duplicate that all the time, so we, we try to copy that. But there is only one who originated, right? There's only one who creates it. And uh, the, the sunrise is a beautiful... I'm an early riser myself and appreciate the, when the sky bursts forth with light. Um, this morning, uh, the Lord really pressed in on my heart as I was spending time with Him before the sun came up. Uh, a couple of things. The first is that God wants and desires, he longs for deep, intimate relationship with you. 
The Lord longs for deep and intimate relationship with you and uh, longs to be known by you. So as um, Tozer wrote some, some great works in the knowledge of the holy, as we begin to understand God better, we see the love of God. And uh, the second thing is that some of us at times struggle to allow God to be present in our lives. And my hope is that, that today would be the beginning of something different. That today might be the first day of the rest of our lives, right? You, you've never, you can't gain back yesterday. You can't even gain back the moments you just had. But you have opportunities right now for everything that is before us. To witness and to experience the grace of Christ in magnificent ways. This morning we heard from a young man who uh, 19 years he has struggled and battled an addiction that he wasn't clean for two consecutive days. And he testified this morning that it is by the grace of God and the faithfulness of his church that for 75 days he has been sober. And I just want to, I want to, yeah, whether, you, whether that's your struggle or not, I just want to testify that, that your story is significant and it matters and we need to begin to share it. We need to begin to tell this story, which really isn't just our story, right? We're partners in God's story. And uh, as we've been unpacking this, this Romans, this broken sermon series, and we've allowed God to dig deeper into our lives, we're seeing a few different things. One is that we aren't whole apart from God, right? You are not whole apart from God. I also want you to know that, that failure at times seems to become our identity, and while failure should never be our identity, failure is indeed a reality. So failure is a reality that we have to acknowledge. But it does not have to be our identity, nor should it be. Last week we talked about shame and the effects of shame. And I shared with you about a young woman who uh, I had unbeknownst to me shamed her in front of her peers. That young woman, uh, by the end of our time together, became one of my closest friends in Uganda. And, um, you know, she extended the hand of forgiveness as I sought forgiveness and reconciliation. And we watched God do some beautiful stuff. But it took two parties laying down their right to themselves and coming together. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the state of the church and how at times we've grown apathetic and we challenged you with a question from Penn Jillette, right? Of how much do you have to hate someone to not proselytize them? Right? The atheist giving the Christian a word of advice and encouragement. And uh, I wonder in our stories and our narratives, hopefully your, your story was that when you walked out of this place, you were overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and burst forth on the scene. But I'm all too accustomed to my own story, which is I'm in, enlightened and in, encouraged in a moment, and then I exit the space, and the car wash that I entered into, I'm completely dry. Our prayer as a church is that um, the well would start to go deeper, and that it would burst forth with new water. And today, as we uh, embark on a little bit of Romans chapter 11, you're going to see that this is one of the more difficult passages in Scripture. And as you read the Word of God, and I, I really encourage you to read the Word of God, if, um, if you're finding that maybe you're feeling a little bit dry or, or life just is, you know, sucking the life right out of you, you're focused on all the wrong things, when was the last time you dove into the Word? We live in a time and in an era when we have the ability, most all of us, not all, but most have the ability to read, and it's at our fingertips. 
if you, if you struggle with reading, I have a friend who is illiterate, um, 65 years old, and he knows more scripture in a few moments than I could, and then I have amassed in a lifetime. And he quotes it verbatim. He simply listens to the word of God over and over and over. When I went to see him in the hospital after he was uh, consumed with fire, 90% of his body was burned. He showed up at my house uh, on fire. It's a story for another day. Don't panic. He is alive and uh, he would say doing well. But he, he showed up and the first thing he asked me when he finally came to and when he came out of coma was, Pastor Joe, would you read me the word of God? I haven't heard the word of God for 60 some days. I'm like, I didn't really think that was going to be the first things you said to me. But it's life-giving. It's life-giving. And it's also very important that when we read, we allow the spirit to start that process, to meet us in the middle, and to conclude that process, right? Remove your own inhibitions, maybe, and the preconceived notions that you bring to the table. We bring, we bring ideas to the table. Uh, we live in the 21st century. But as you read the Word of God, allow it to bring life. We wrestled with this sermon today. Um, it's a difficult passage, and it needs to be understood in the context of all of the book of Romans especially in the section of chapters 9, 10, and 11. They're kind of a continuation of thought from Paul. And, um, but hear these words from Romans chapter 11. We're going to be looking at two verses and then three verses. And I'm going to take you into a couple of spots in the middle. Okay, But I ask then, Romans chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. I ask then, did God reject his people? How many would say yes to that? You don't want to say yes, but we might process and think that God has, right? I can't tell you how many well-meaning Christians have said God has rejected us here in America, right? God has turned his back on us here. And I want to tell you the word of God has something very specific for us this morning. Paul is answering that question. How many people believe that did God reject his people? Paul says, by no means. You see, I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul's giving his credentials there. He's, he's showing exactly who he is. Right? He says, did God, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what Scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? And then we're going to pause for a moment, but the, the snapshot there is Elijah, the great prophet. Right? The man of God didn't see fully what God was doing, even in his ability to prophesy like very few others ever have. He saw a, rem he saw a, a barren place, that there is none left, God. But the Lord reminds him, oh, Elijah, you just can't see what I'm doing. There is still thousands you see, sometimes we have on a different shade of lens than God does. We, in the 21st century, we're products of the Enlightenment, right? We're product, we, we believe that given enough time and enough uh, resources, we can accomplish almost anything, right? Some would say anything. That's a really slippery slope, friends. This knowledge and this understanding that God has given us is finite, you see, God didn't just foreknow, God simply knows. They're not separated for God. God isn't bound by space or time or knowledge. In a word, God is. But we struggle 
to see past that. And the reason that we often struggle is because ultimately we have failed. You and I have failed. The people of Israel had failed. And it's, it's difficult to own that, isn't it? If we never own the reality of our failure, we will never realize the fullness of God's grace. And the people of Israel were known for a couple of things, weren't they? They were zealous for God. They did things right. They did things in the right order at the right times. They had become extremely good at being a religious people. When we talked about uh, apathy, we talked a little bit about this, that, that they were doing everything right, and yet they got everything wrong. And Paul's heart in this whole passage is breaking for them. And though, though people are saying, well, they're not right, Paul's saying, wait a minute, they are still the children of God. He picks up at the end in verse 29, but I'm going to actually back up one verse to 28. I didn't give our, our media folks this, so I'm just going to read this for you. It's a continuation of thought that's important. He says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and call are irrevocable. If you write in your Bibles, I'd invite you to circle that word. You see, at times, like I said, we fail. At times, we've got to own the fact that we failed. We did not accomplish the task that God has set before us, nor are we able to. If we were, there is no need for Jesus. But where we failed, God did not. As you read the narrative of the Old Testament, you find this love story of a God who loves his creation. We also read it through a lens that says, well, there was only one people that were gods. Who was that? You're not biting the hook as well today. You've got to change the lure up a little bit. Or maybe, maybe you're starting to understand. As we read the narrative of Ruth, we find that God is not, not only is God not just present in the people of Israel, but he's also present outside the nation of Israel. And those who were believed and thought by the Israelites to be far off were actually very near. I never really did understand near and far. but uh, And as you fast forward to the coming of the Messiah, we find these Zoroastrians, right? These, these people who were worshiping something other than God, searching for God. They were referred to as the Magi in your Bibles. The astronomers. God is present in the world outside of what we think God is present in. You see, where we have failed, God did not. And his gifts and his call are irrevocable. All too often, I find myself struggling at times to, to really wrap my head around that. Because I want justice as I see justice. And I want to be right. Don't you? Maybe you don't want to be right. Well, praise God for that. I do want to be right. And I think I am right until God, again, that double-edged sword comes in. You see, as he continues here, Paul says a couple of things. He says, just as you were at one time disobedient to God, have not, just as you who were, sorry, once disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, 
so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. The scripture says in Romans 3 that all have sinned, that we've all missed the mark. Sometimes we like to paint this Romans road to salvation, but but really at the end of the day what it boils down to is us acknowledging a need for a savior. Recognizing that there's a, a gap. If you could do it, my guess is you would have. I can't tell you how many times I have talked with people. This young man today who testified about God's grace in in the process of recovery from addiction. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with folks who have said, you know, I've tried absolutely everything. If you find yourself in the midst of this broken situation, my guess is you've tried absolutely everything within your power to reconcile it. And that's where we start to break down, actually. Because God wants to be the reconciler and has done all of the work for that. He leaves us with this thought. He says, for God has bound all men over to disobedience so that God may have mercy on all of them. I want to share a quote with you from Tozer. And uh, Tozer is a, is a theologian that's uh, still alive today. Um, sorry, he is not. N.T. Wright, though, is. That's who I want to quote. But um, he says this. Humans are fearful that every authority is oppressive. We witness that, don't we, in our communities, in our culture, in our homes. Right? You can't tread on me. Humans are fearful that every authority is oppressive and that every order that does not proceed from within one's self is manipulative. He goes on to say, our present-day orthodoxy has left God on the margins An aid, an aid to our spiritual well-being for those who feel they need it. God has been marginalized even within his bride. We've walked on to the stage and invited God to step off at times. Well-meaning people. You see, we don't want Jesus as Lord. And we don't acknowledge the whole of Scripture. You see, God's desire is that all, and when God says all, I think he really means sometimes or some. No, God means all. God's desire is that all would come to the knowledge that he is Lord. That none would perish, it says. No, not one. But all too often we we stop short. We stop short because we think we have the answers. Much like the people of Israel thought they had all of the answers, and they did. It was right there. But Paul's positioning and he's speaking to the Gentiles. And this is where this gets a little bit sticky. 
And he says, your life matters. What you do matters. And some of you have been married for a while. How many have been married 30 years? We got 30 years. I got to go more than 20 because I've been married 20. How many have been married 40 years? There's a few. Anybody 50? 50 years? There's a few 50 plus. Praise God. Let's celebrate that, right? Yeah. I had to... I had to go back a little ways because I knew that if I was too close, you can get a little bit, the water can get real muddy real quick. But 50 years ago when the bride was adorned in her dress, what color was it? It was white. The bride's dress was white. Why was the dress white? It was significant of the purity of the one who was wearing it, right? It was a beautiful reminder of she who is donned with beauty and pure and holy and presentable to the one who is the bridegroom and when when the bride walked into the space what what do we all do we stand we rise and we celebrate and we acknowledge and maybe even a little bit we find ourselves a little bit jealous my goodness she's radiant you know where this is going hopefully you and I we are the bride of Christ there is, there is serious theological implications in the wedding of man and woman and, and why the Lord uses that analogy all throughout Scripture to talk about his beloved. What you do and how we live our lives matters. And what Paul uses, he uses this language that sometimes we get a little bit offended by, right? Or we say isn't appropriate. Paul's been known for, uh, for boasting, right? He brags, some would say. Well, he's not actually bragging, he's boasting in the Lord, He's confident in what God has done in his life. And, and Paul uses this language of jealousy. Has anybody ever struggled with jealousy? I, I do. Maybe you don't, but I do. I have lately, especially, my neighbor got a new wood splitter. And that thing splits a piece of wood in a second. And you know what I'm out there doing? I'm out there with the go devil. Whack! Thinking every time I hear his pink, pink, I'm like, oh. Right? I'm getting jealous of the thing that he has. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's when you walk through the store and our culture has said that men and women and, and children should look and, and act a certain way, hasn't it? This dude walks into Walmart the other day and his arms were as big as my head. I'm like, holy cow. Kind of liked it. <laughs> Not going to lie. Sat there thinking. <laughs> Jealousy creeps in. You know what the Lord says right here? that we would be so pure and so radiant that others would become jealous of that which we have. You see, when we embody the Christ, it changes everything. Luke's gospel gives an account, and I think it's the 15th chapter. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> the prodigal son or the father's love you know, we don't have the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says. We've got most of the story. Remember the, the boy that leaves home, wants his inheritance, squanders it, comes to his senses, it says, which is an interesting statement, by the way, comes to his senses and then returns home, and the father runs and greets him from afar off. And you know what Jewish men don't do? The same thing this American guy doesn't do. They don't run. <laughs> Jewish men don't run. There's significance all the way through this of how God loves us. 
But you know what? The story stops. After the kids eat, and remember the other brother was distant, and, and he was mad at his dad. Why would you do this? I've been so faithful all along. And, and why would you do this? Why would you throw this party and squander this wealth that's left? You know what the story doesn't tell us? Is what happened the next morning. The story doesn't tell us what happened the next morning. And I wonder, I wonder if that boy who understood the grace of Christ finally was able to articulate that well to his brother. You see, what we do matters. And God's grace is available to all persons. He has entrusted us with the the light we are not to be hid under a bushel. The only reason we hide is because we're ashamed. That's the only reason we hide. But when you're confident in what Christ has done and when you're living for Christ in all of your ways, we shine. Did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? You haven't stumbled too far, church. Paul says not at all. God's grace is available for all. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Salvation has come to all of humanity. It's time we, that gorgeous bride, allowed ourselves to be purified yet again so that others would become jealous. So that they might start saying, I gotta get me some of that. So the excuses stop and life begins anew. Would you pray with me, church? Holy God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have chosen us, all of us, even myself with my imperfections. And God, that you have purified me, that you have washed me, that you have made me white as snow. Oh God, would your people this morning whom you've called by name, whom you've spoken into existence, receive forgiveness of sin Would we lay aside our inhibitions and allow your grace to be sufficient? Would we run and flee from the sin that so easily entangles? And we, would we allow you who is within us to draw others unto yourself through us. Jesus, may our lives be a reflection, not poorly, but a pure reflection of your grace and your mercy and your transformational power by your spirit, Lord. All honor and glory is yours. It's in your holy name, Jesus, that we pray as you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Those who trespass against us and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Church, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven.
May the God of all peace, the merciful Savior, the communion of the Holy Spirit be before you to lead you, beside you to justify you, behind you to defend you, above you to guide you. But might Jesus, the risen Christ, that author and perfecter of our faith, dwell within you so that you might be donned in beauty and glory and others might see him in you. Go and love the hell out of your neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.